Oh yeah, the heavy sounds of rock and roll, Rebel. I told you that was a great side. So we're going to move on to side two. Remember, bunny ears, quote unquote, because we're doing this digitally. We're not actually spinning records like they did in the old days, but I'm pretending we are because, you know, I just like to do that. But anyway, this side will feature Center of Eternity, which center is spelled C-E-N-T-E-R-E. Had to look at that twice. But yeah, uh, the song So Tired, Slow Down, and Waiting for Darkness. Now, um, as I mentioned, I'm just going to talk a little bit about this album because there's quite a few interesting things going on at this time with Ozzy and this band. Uh, interesting meaning, you know, there's there's some drama going on. Of course, you know, there's people who like to just sit back get popcorn and soda and watch because, you know, hey, who's who doesn't like to watch drama happening? And, you know, if you're really into music, you know, you want to keep up with this stuff. But uh, some interesting facts about this album. It was uh, it was recorded at the Power Station in New York. Uh, the Power Station is pretty famous for a lot of albums. A lot of great albums were cut there. And at that time, there was this guy named... Uh, Tony Bongiovi, uh, if that last name kind of sounds a little bit familiar, that's because it is it is the cousin of John Bongiovi, who is the lead singer of the band Bongiovi. They spelled it initially different. Uh, the original spelling of their last name is a little bit different, but it's Bongiovi. You know, it's the same family. So he was um, the uh, he mixed the album. That was his part on Bark at the Moon. And uh, Max Norman, the uh, great producer, he produced this along with Osborne and Bob Daisley uh, and always does a great job. He's got a lot of credits, a lot of great credits under his belt, a lot of Aussie stuff and uh, the band Loudness, if you're familiar with them. I've played them a lot on this show. The Japanese band who really kind of got uh, mega stardom and really paved the path for a lot of Japanese bands to make it really big because let me tell you there's some great bands there's some awesome musicians that come from Japan I got to give a high five to the country of Japan for giving us a lot of that great music and those great musicians um, you know Japan has historically been known as a country that is really good at copying things but I don't really see them that way anymore or really never have because what I see is they just create a lot of great stuff you know, I love the Japanese, uh, I love their philosophy on work. They they value teamwork a little bit more. So that's no reason why these bands were successful coming out of there so much in the 80s and really a little bit before. But anyway, not to get off track here, Bark at the Moon, back to Bark at the Moon. Um, you know, the, the I told you the story uh, earlier before the first side that, um, you know, there was a lot of lineup changes and, you know, there was, uh, there was just a lot going on. Ozzy was just kind of drugged and drunk out of his mind back in those days. And while he was in the Betty Ford Clinic, quote unquote, again, getting clean, Jakey e. Lee was uh, using his little uh, personal recorder to write a lot of the material for this album, as was Bob Daisley. But um, this uh, this album, um, 
it was really the first step after the death of Randy Rhodes and what was going to become a lot of the music that we hear from Ozzy. You know, um, this guy can only do so much on his own. He had to have the help of a lot of great musicians over the years because the guitarists are generally the ones who write this music. And Bob Daisley, amazing writer, amazing lyricist, comes in, you know, is always brought in because of his ability to do that. He can put lyrics to a lot of great things. He just has that great creative juice running through his mind. But, um, you know, this, like I said, this was the beginning of the his career post Randy Rhodes. Uh, had Randy Rhodes lived, who knows what would have happened there. I, I would say a lot of greatness would have come out, but we'll never know because, you know, we don't really get to choose how long we live or who gets to live. You know, that was obviously his time to go. But um, a lot of great a lot of uh, great musicians have helped him over the years. And Bark at the Moon was the start of all that. And the tour was really successful. I remember, uh, well, like I mentioned to you earlier, Tommy Aldrich played drums on Bark at the Moon. And that, that was the only album he played, only studio album that he played drums on. And on the tour, especially the one that I saw, the great drummer Carmine Apice was on that tour. And I don't think him and Ozzy got along very well. But then again, who really got along with Ozzy? I mean, the guy was drugged up. He was drunk most of the time and acting crazy. A lot of, I mentioned also earlier that a lot of, a lot of things were happening during this tour and this album. Obviously, Ozzy coming out of the Betty Ford Clinic and having a drink. But, um, you know, I believe during this time is when uh, he, the start of things like him taking a leak on the Alamo down there in San Antonio, Texas, uh, just different things where a lot of cities were trying to ban them because of how crazy they were. I mean, they didn't see them as just musicians having a great time and a lot of kids lo loving their music, you know, wanting to see the show live and whatnot, you know, these there were a lot. This was happening a lot in a lot of towns, a lot of cities, where their uh, local governments were trying to ban them. They were trying to ban a lot of uh, bands, but you know, especially Ozzy. This guy took craziness to another level. But anyway, uh, it was a great show. It was a wonderful show there, and the, I'll tell you, the artwork, all the artwork on the T-shirts and the merchandise was great. Um, I had a lot of that, and I don't anymore. I wished I had saved it, but I didn't, like a lot of people. You don't know that that stuff's going to become valuable in 20, 30 years, but, you know, I wish I had a lot of that right now because the those t back then, they sold T-shirts, obviously, like they did at, like they do at every concert, but they also sold jerseys, jersey shirts that, like, a lot of baseball players wore. Those are really cool because they th those jerseys were a little bit... Uh, they were made a little bit different and it allowed for more artwork on there, you know, but then I guess in, after a while they just stopped selling those. But anyway, let's go ahead and get into side two of Bark at the Moon. I've already mentioned the lineup there. So, uh, well, guess what? I'm just going to press play now. <laughs> 